When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Uplifting Impact Podcast. I'm Deanna Singh, the Chief Change Agent for Uplifting Impact, and I am so excited to be hosting you yet again on another one of our wonderful Uplifting Impact Podcasts. And I get to say wonderful already from the beginning because I am with one of the people who has been into this work and doing it so well, I, I'm almost like anxious to just get started and, and to talk to her, but also anxious because I'm so happy for you that you're going to get a chance uh, to learn from her and to learn from her wisdom too. So today we are going to be talking to Marsha Jones and Marsha Jones is the executive vice president and chief diversity officer for the PNC Financial Services Group. In this role, Jones leads the development and implementation of strategies and programs that help further build and sustain a talented, diverse workforce and a culture of inclusion. She is frequently a guest speaker, a panelist, a lecturer on all things related to diversity and impact and really what it means to build inclusive cultures, especially along the lines of corporate innovation. Her accomplishments are in the field of diversity, are numerous. We, we can't list all of them because, Marsha, then we would have no time to go into all the wonderful things we're going to learn from you today. But trust me, they are numerous, including being considered one of the 25 most influential women in business uh, by the Network Journal. So, Marsha, we are excited to have you on our show. Welcome. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Deanna. Thank you. Thank you. And there's so many things that I, I want to talk to you about, but one of the, the big questions um, that I would love to hear your thoughts on are just as you're looking out into the market and you're looking out into the field and out into the sector, what are some of the most like emerging issues that you're seeing from a diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, space? So I would say that uh, certainly all of us in corporate America are uh, in a, uh, a transition uh, in terms of what is going to be this new work environment. And to some extent, you know, the, the same way we're talking about um, the current uh, situation that we're in, in terms of the great resignation, many folks are actually referring to this new work environment as the great experiment. And the reason why is because no one, uh, no corporation really knows what the reaction is actually going to be in terms of the decisions that they're making relative to back to work. We do know that um, our employees have, in fact, made their voices heard, um, that there is the need for organizations to continue to listen to our employees and to be able to develop policies that are really going to resonate with those employees so that they can, in fact, retain them help them to develop, and to what demonstrate that the purpose and the values of each of those organizations actually continue to resonate with the employees there. Because employees are now, particularly after this pandemic, they've had an opportunity to be able to sit back and to consider 
What values do I really have? What really is important to me? And so the work that they do on an ongoing basis has to be able to be relevant to those values so that when they wake up every day, they feel energized to be able to go into the office or wherever that workplace happens to be and to be able to make a contribution that's going to make that organization most successful. And so as we think about this great experiment, um, we will all be learning from each other. We'll be learning from the reactions that our employees have. Uh, and I believe that it will evolve, if you would, over time. And just as uh, every, we say that every corporation has a unique culture and you create a, uh, an inclusive culture that is going to resonate with that particular organization, I think every organization is going to find that how they react to this new environment is also going to change and is also going to be customized, if you would, to that particular organization as well. So as we think about the role for diversity and inclusion practitioners, um, you know, I, I always um, share that the beginning of your journey is really to hold a mirror up to your organization and to find out what that culture actually is, where they are in the journey, and what really is going to resonate with them. And I think the same is going to be true in this new work environment that we're in, that our practitioners are going to need to hold the mirror up to that particular organization and make a determination as to how can they, in fact, add value relative to the circumstances that you know, that they see. You know, there's so many things that you, that you said about that. The great experimentation. I am going to start using that because I think that's an even better way to talk about the moment that we're in right now. I mean, there's just so many things that we've never had to experience before. There's so many things that we're being called to. And I think, you know, I've been coaching a lot of leaders through through this through this time period, especially as it relates to all of the different things that, you know, they're managing. And I said, well, look at it this way. If you can make it through this, there's going to be no leadership challenge, right? That you won't be able to make it through. And, and, and that if you will be able to make it through, you are making it through, right? This is part of and parcel. It's just the volume, the heaviness of it, the uncertainty, those are all the knobs on those are all turned up, but we've been in different places of uncertainty before. And right. So, so this is just like the greatest test of your leadership capacity and, and you'll get through this. Right. But understanding some of the things that you just mentioned in particular, this idea of like, how do we, how do we use this moment as a learning moment and not, and come at some of that humility of, we don't know the answers. So, you know, what, how are we going to learn together? I think that's really important. I just want to highlight that for our, for our listeners understanding nobody really knows we're, we're learning as we go and that's going to be important the other thing I, I would really love to highlight so this is a, a phrase that we like to use too holding a mirror up and letting organizations see where they are and who they are and really one of the great sort of benefits of where we've been for the for the last couple of years is that people have had that moment of reflection they've had that time to think and, and we wanted that now they got it now now we got to figure out what to do with it but we always say we want to hold the mirror up but then we also have the responsibility of tilting it right holding it up so you can see who you are and then as a second step tilting it to see what you could become right like right. what else is possible um out there what's what's up in the in the horizon so just thinking about this, you know, and understanding that now many of us, if not most of us, are in some kind of a hybrid situation. I'm just curious, like, what does it look like when you talk about inclusion in a remote 
work environment versus how you might think about it in a in-person environment and maybe how you think about it in a hybrid environment. What, what are some of the things that you, that you might see as differences along those lines? So I would think that the intent is going to be the same uh, regardless, meaning you want to be uh, intentional in terms of creating that inclusive environment, but the execution and the tactics of it, I believe, in each one of those situations is actually going to be you know, slightly different. Um, in our day-to-day interactions in terms of the office, um, it's easier to be able to have that eyeball-to-eyeball contact, that personal reaction that you have, that you're going to be able to read um, very uh, clearly, you know, some of those um, cues that you have from individuals, in addition to which, you know, the, the passing by in the, uh, in the hallway or the water cooler or the lunchroom, et cetera, in terms of those dynamics of being able to create relationships and networks um, is different when you're face-to-face than when you are in, let's say, a hybrid situation or when you're in a remote situation. Managers, I think, are going to need to be very intentional about the creation of uh, an inclusive environment, particularly if you're in a uh, a remote situation and um, your your entire team is remote. And there are examples of this, but those teams that are most successful are where the manager of the team recognizes the need to be able to bring those folks together on an ongoing basis to be able to create um, situations for networking, for social activities, for interaction, where you can really get to know those individuals on a one-on-one basis that uh, are are unlike what happens when you are face-to-face. And the same is true in terms of a hybrid environment where you'll have some folks that are actually going into the office, for example, on, you know, a couple of days a week. And then there are some that are going to be remote, you know, uh, permanently and yet for whatever reason. And yet the manager is going to have to find a way to be able to manage his or her bias uh, that the individual that they're going to be interfacing with on a day-to-day basis in the office gets as much uh, FaceTime, if you would, as the individual that is working remotely. And so that is going to, in my mind, mean that we're going to have to create a whole um, enhanced uh, set of management training experiences to, number one, make them aware, to be able to uh, provide them with best practices so that they're going to be equipped to be able to handle and to manage those kinds of um, the creation of inclusive environments in those kinds of settings. And uh, it is going to be imperative for our practitioners to, number one, be aware of that. Number one, to be able to be prepared, to be able to share some of those best practices, and perhaps even in many cases to lead um, training uh, workshops, et cetera, for those managers so that they can actually provide them with tips, workshop skills, et cetera, that are going to enable them to be able to execute on that. Because in the event that we're not able to equip our managers who play a, a an integral role in the success of creating this inclusive environment, particularly mid-level managers, that we're going to take steps backward in terms of the progress that we have actually made. And so therefore it's important for practitioners to be aware of that 
and to be prepared with uh, points of wisdom that they would be able to share. I mean, I agree with you so much. And it's it's interesting because this um, comes back to haunt me, but in a beautiful way. So at the very beginning of the pandemic, for one of our, our for, for a business journal, I was asked my, my thoughts on sort of how does DEI play into what's happening as the world was changing, right, right in front of our, our faces. And I wrote a piece that said, hey, look, team, if you are not engaging your DEI practitioners in this conversation about how to manage COVID, you are making a huge misstep because not only are they going to be really helpful in understanding how to make the transition out, right? Like the, make the transition to this remote world, but they're also going to be the ones who are going to be most imperative as you think about how to make a transition back to whatever the new normal is going to be. And so I say haunt me because it's out there. Right. And it was at the beginning, people were like, wait, these seem like that's operational. This is, you know, HR, this is not DEI. And so I got a number of people who are like, I don't, you know, not so much that they didn't see the connection, but they were a little hesitant, a little resistant. And now I'm getting that email back. Like, Oh, you told us, didn't you? Didn't yes, you? Yes. <laughs> you understood what was actually coming, but no, the thing though is Deanna, that um, our philosophy is that diversity and inclusion impacts every single aspect of our business, right? So regardless of what that line of business is actually involved in, there is the need for those leaders to be able to have a lens of diversity and inclusion. And how do you create that inclusive environment? Because, you know, our formula candidly for diversity and inclusion is that if you create that inclusive environment, regardless of what let line of business is and your employees are engaged, they're going to be more productive, more innovative, et cetera. And ultimately, they're going to lead uh, to greater profitability for the organization. And so regardless of what yeah. kind of format you're in in terms of that work environment, whether you're in the office, hybrid, fully remote, et cetera, it's going to be incumbent upon our managers to be able to find a way to make those team experiences inclusive. And I would share that uh, one of the key ways to be able to do that is to take an active role in listening to your employees who will in fact tell you what it is that they want, what it is they aspire to, et cetera. And then the manager's role after that is easy. All you've got to do is be able to deliver on it. <laughs> once you're able to deliver. So the answers are really in front of you, but you've got to be able to ask the questions in order to be able to get the answers and then execute on the answers. You know what? That is such a simple like leadership, uh, you know, recommendation. People will be like, I'm so stuck. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure. And I say, well, have you asked, you know, like yes. have you asked the people yes. who are going to be impacted because yes. Exactly. You might be causing all this, yeah, like all this stress for yourself and, and not need to because they have the answers already. They've already thought about this. And so they, and they're and they know what they're looking for, right? So they know what is going to resonate with them, etc. Now, you want to create an environment where you're actively listening to them. Um, and yes, to the extent that you can, you're going to be taking action. Um, but there'll be kernels of uh, truth, if you would, okay, within those responses that you get, that you are going to be able to at least be able to get a starting point from which you're then able to, you know, continue to uh, to grow and to evolve. Right. I, you know, the pushback that I get, Marsha, I don't know if you hear this too, is, well, what if they ask for something I can't deliver on? 
I that's think- okay. But the yeah. fact that we listened to them, right? And perhaps, you know, the answer is, okay, well, we might not be able to do that in it to the full extent, but we might be able to do X, right? Right. So you get them to, you know, give you not necessarily just one, um, you know, solution, but perhaps several, or you might be able to tell them, well, look, in this environment, this is how we might be able to achieve that. Or this is one step that we might be able to take in that direction. And you manage the expectations so that, you know, there again, the benefit of the fact is that they have been heard and that you are um, interested enough in what their opinions actually are to be able to listen to them and then to perhaps take action. Yeah, I, I agree. And I also think that sometimes we don't really have, because we we think that the scope of what they might ask for is so limited if to what we see and what we can perceive that we're afraid that we're going to ask. But oftentimes, and more often than not, right, I can't statistically prove this, but what I've seen just in my own practice is that what they ask for is totally doable, right? Because they've already gone through all of the, the sort of internal um, uh, process, right, to determine whether or not you know, this is even something feasible that I could ask for. And then if they do ask you for something that's completely like, oh, we can't do that. We can't, what it at least does is gets you thinking, right? It starts to create some of that very innovation that all of us are so desperate for, because I, 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 so I, I just really, I would like to underline what you just said, (laughs) right? Ask, listen, it's okay. Don't be so scared that you're stepping in the way of the innovation that could exist on your team. Yep. And don't always feel that you have to have all the answers, right? Right. Because uh, there's so many of our managers, particularly new managers. And so in this workforce now with the great resignation, with you know new um, generations that are coming into management, perhaps for the very first time, you know, they're under the misconception that they have to be able to be perfect, that they have to have all of the answers. And that's not at all the case, you know. Uh, and it's important for them to feel comfortable about asking um, and asking their teams uh, for uh, their feelings, their input, you know, et cetera. So I have one quick question uh, for you. And I'm just curious around that last point, right? Because we've been talking a lot about what it feels like from a manager to employee standpoint, but our managers are also in, in this moment, right? Our leaders are having this moment of real emotional, mental, physical fatigue because of all the things that are being pulled from us, what are there any things that you would offer as, you know, for people who are either DI practitioners or are in the space doing this work that you can offer as a way to manage some of that mo- emotional and mental impact that the work really does, you know, start to have on you? I would say that um, certainly the mental and emotional impact um, was there even before the pandemic, right? Right. Yep. There before, um, I mean, there's there is in fact a known burnout, if you would, relative to DNI practitioners because it is so emotionally involved, right? And so, number one, you you know, and it's like anything else that you really give your whole self to because this is in fact um, an area where you give so much of yourself because you really are, if you are authentic, you are very passionate about what you're actually doing. So you need to be able to remind yourself that you have to take care of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You be able to establish some way to be able to release, if you would, the stress that's there. Very often there are any number of networks of individuals that, you know, that get together on an ongoing basis, either formally or informally, just to be able to support one another because, and to be able to share best practices, which is, you know, really uh, 
a, uh, a safeguard, if you would, you know, for all of us. It's important on a daily basis. And, and this is, I think, uh, not only for DNI practitioners, but for anyone at the end of every day to be able to, to look at the day and say, is there something that I'm really gratified to have accomplished? Is there something that I have made a difference in? And if there is one thing, regardless of what that happens to be, however small it is, then recognize that that's a step forward that you have actually made. Very often, the work that we do is difficult to be able to measure. Very often it is um, anecdotal, but I can remember that in the early stages of, you know, our, my work in this, um, just to be able to hear individuals repeat back to me concepts that I shared with them, whether it was about inclusion or whether it was about the journey, et cetera, recognize, made you recognize that, okay, you are in fact making a difference. And it was those um, shots in the arm, so to speak, that enabled <laughs> to get the energy the next day to be able to say, okay, I can get up and I can be able to, you know, continue, you know, continue on the journey. And you have to be able to manage your expectations, right? Each of us comes in this role with a vision of what could be, but we also have to recognize that to get to that uh, end state, there are several steps that have to be taken. And I often use this analogy that, you know, the work that we do is really like moving an ocean liner. It is not where you move very gradually to, you know, the stop. So those of you who've gone on cruises, you know that, you know, you go to sleep, you leave one port and the next port you wake up and you don't even know that, you know, how it's, how you've actually gotten there. But this is where, you know, you continually uh, move the, the, the needle forward. And ultimately you will see getting to those various milestones. That really is the gratification of, you know, of the work that you're actually doing. So uh, manage your own expectations about what it actually is going to take and realize that there are champions across your, in your organizations that will help you do the lifting. Yep. You and your small team, because most of the teams that we have are really very small cannot be expected to be able to move tens of thousands, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of employees by yourself. You have to be able to develop a team of champions across your organization. They are there, find them and have them help you to be able to be the army that will help the organization move forward. All really great uh, pieces of advice. I'm going to go back in and uh, make a note card so I can post it right on my... (laughs) So I can remember the, those things. I'll tell you what one of my my big tricks is. I like to dance, you know, just I, I just will rant. Like I'm like, hey, this is something that's dance worthy, right? Like this yeah. is a moment you get an email. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, like I get a, this email or something on social or somebody, you know, reaches out to us. And I, I just take that moment because it the joy in the work for me is seeing people grow, but it's also in understanding, right. That it's everybody's in different places and that could look different. Success can look different on different days. So that's, that's really, really awesome. Well, thank you so very much for being here with us today. It was a joy to be able uh, to talk to you. I know that there are people who may want to follow you or follow the work that PNC is doing. What's the best way to stay connected? So I would say right now, uh, the best way would be to uh, reach out to me at uh, marsha.jones at pnc.com and uh, we will uh, begin to stay connected. Fantastic. We'll make sure we put all that information in the show notes, but it has been wonderful to talk to you. I'm so glad that we got a chance to go through all of these different ideas and really go deeper into how DEI leaders can focus on 
what's going on in this come back to work, whatever it means for your organization in particular. So for all of you who are joining us on the Uplifting Impact podcast, so grateful to have you here with us for another week. If you're new, welcome. So glad that you were with us. Please share, share, share. We here at Uplifting Impact believe that the more people who are talking about these things, having these conversations, learning from one another, the more impact we can actually have on the world. We also really appreciate all the questions and comments and suggestions that you have for guests. So please keep those coming. You can do that through LinkedIn on either my website or for looking at me for Deanna Singh or my co-host, Justin Ponder. We love, 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 love hearing from you. See, we want to listen too, because we want to learn what are some of the things you might be struggling with or questions that you might have. So until next week, keep on uplifting the impact. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.